Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Forgive me if I'm a little bleary-eyed today. I stayed up to watch the golf last night. I love the golf on television. I paid the sky just for the golf alone, to be honest with you. Oh my God, what a playoff between Patrick Cantlay and Bryson the Chambeau. It was just riveting stuff. You couldn't leave it. And was I glad Cantlay won it in the end. Terrific stuff. Really terrific stuff. Anyway, I was burning the midnight oil. Great to have you with us again this afternoon. Coming up on the show today, my artist of the week. Yes, it's certainly sex, drugs and rock and roll. I promise you uh, we'll be looking back at Mead Miners. Brilliant win at the weekend in the All-Ireland. Ireland final. John Halton, local farmer, has been shortlisted for a major award in the UK. He's a great guy. Lisa Kennedy's here. Back to the future with a trusted method for children and teens to get along well in their lives every day. And if you want to join us on the show, the number is 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me if you'd like to call in. The old phone is always there, 1850-715- 958. My first guest today needs no introduction. How many times have you heard that in the past? But I'll remind you anyway. He's a businessman, former politician and government minister, broadcaster with News Talk and Virgin TV, who took a step back from his very public persona back in July 2020 to pursue other projects. Now he's back behind the scenes training others to face the music. Yes, a media masterclass awaits with Ivan Yates. Hello, Ivan. Jerry, would you believe it? Pleasure to talk to you. I was watching that playoff of oh. the BMW Championship, and after the fourth hole, mm. they went to the 18th, they went to the 18th again, then did the 17th and 18th. I said, this is going to go on all shagging night. I've got serious work to do in the morning. I can't, like Jerry, and rock up at 25 past one and do a day's work. And I actually missed the concluding hole. How much longer did it go on for? Ivan, it went six. It went six playoff holes. And look, you were watching it. Ivan, how could you leave it? It was just riveting. You know, when people will say golf riveting, this was riveting stuff. Yet the sixth hole and Cantley again. Did you ever see anything like a display of putting? He drilled in a 20-something footer and he spooked the Shambo who lipped out. Yeah, no, and uh, the Shambo 
the bit I saw had his chances. Mm. I actually like Bryson on the basis that <laughs> everyone's against him. And, you know, the length and all that. And I'm up for the guy that's just unpopular. And hence, I've launched this new business, uh, MediaMasterclass.ie, because it's people that are spiky and different uh, that interest me. Because if you want to get people on air... If you want to get people to develop their profile, you won't get it by being bland and boring. You've got to be different. Mm. Difference sells, Jerry. And I hope if people go on this course, whether they're a business person, whether they're in the public sector, in the communications business, whether they're working for a local charity or whatever, I am, and this is the difference of this course. It isn't a monthly retainer. It isn't a spin doctor. It's to make you to be your own best PR person. So I'm not telling you what to say. I'm telling you, give me the content. I'll deconstruct it. And I'll tell you how to get on air, how to make yourself interesting, and how to maybe stay in the job. I'm just thinking of the phrase, and I'm going to turn it about to you. Gamekeeper turned poacher teacher. Well, it's absolutely true because, you see, the thing that's different about me is you have all these great journalists and broadcasters and presenters, and they're fine and dandy, but I spent 21 years in Dole Aaron defending the indefensible, <laughs> trying to work my up the way up the greasy pole in terms of getting coverage on local and national and regional radio and television and all that kind of thing, and then local papers. So I actually spent 30 years answering questions because then... With Celtic bookmakers, we didn't have a marketing budget, but mm. we grew to 63 shops, and I was the public face of it in the same way as you could have Michael O'Leary or Pat McDonough or Liam Griffin or someone like that, Fergal Quinn. The face is the business, uh, and that actually comes for free because one of the things that I'm going to teach you is if you can become an effective communicator, it's 40 times better than the value for money you get from an advert. So this actually is something that will not only give you personal skills for life, because it's all based on my own direct experiences, but it actually is worth the money. Do you believe that anybody can spin their way out of any situation? I read uh, the lovely piece in you on yesterday, Sunday Independent, and you cited numerous cases, like you received assistance in your time yourself when you're in difficulty from our own Gavin Duffy, and I was reading that yesterday. But do you believe anybody, you know what I'm talking about, like people smell spin? No, well, well, see, I'm, I'm a great believer in that what works is the authentic original truth. Mm. So actually, I don't believe in dodging the question. I don't believe that you'll always like the answer. But I think if you want to have credibility, you've just got to tell us it. So the first thing I teach people is you can't ever, 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 ever lie through the media. You just, like, no matter how uncomfortable, how awkward it is. Now, there will be things that are sensitive and maybe confidential at a point in time. But the essence of what I'm saying is Tell me what your story is. And if it isn't a great story, and if actually if you had it all again, you'd do it differently, say so. Because in the worst possible circumstances, what I'll try and get you is not necessarily that you'll survive, but I'll get you redemption. Because there is a route through humility or abject apologies or whatever, whereby you might be sanctioned and you might take a few steps back, but I will find a way to get you back in business sooner or later. I'm delighted you've said that because my late mother's words always ring in my ears. Tell the truth, 
and shame the devil. <laughs> well, your mother had a lot of wisdom. <laughs> the truth is that if you if you if you have a credible story, the most important thing in media is not that you're always right, not that you're popular, but that you're trusted. That what you say is what you actually believe. Mm. And that is so true. You can always and must always, so true, be true to yourself. Here, tell me this. Look, you mentioned there you worked your way up in the political game as well. So you've seen both sides of the equations for sure. Why today do they have to have the plethora of advisors, spin doctors, PR, etc., etc.? Can can people in positions of uh, influence and authority and political life not think for themselves anymore? Well, obviously, you know, sometimes it's good to have a sounding board to tease out things. And part of the preparation for interview, I'd be saying, look, get, get a kind of nice sound bite. Write your own headline. And, and whether it's alliteration or a stick phrase, but you're absolutely right. Not only is it really difficult, but really important people surround themselves with these acolytes. And you know what, Jerry? They tell them what they want to hear. Mm. Hence, I'm going to play clips of people at the thing, like Prince Andrew. And the people that were preparing him for Newsnight were so deferential, they didn't ask him about toe-sucking. They didn't ask him about foot massages and things like that, which he clearly wasn't doing. So what you've got to do is, it's okay to be surrounded by PR people, provide they ask you the meanest, nastiest questions that you're going to be asked in air, because you don't want to be asked about those the first time round. So I do agree with you that I am trying to make you your own best PR person so you don't need any spin doctor. Oh, I watched Emily Maitlis that night and the, she must have been just wringing her hands with joy because he was just like a lamb to the slaughter, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't properly prepared. No. And, and, and also, when we get to that really bad level of disastrous PR, I actually give you advice beyond the media. In other words... Sorry, before we go on LMFM, let's just check a few things. Did I break the law here, uh, advertently or criminally or whatever? Is my boss going to sack me anyway? Do I have the personal resilience to actually eat dirt to get through this? In other words, it's so important to me. I don't mind what Twitter storms is going to be uh, and all the rest of it. And, And unless you can answer those questions in the affirmative, then um, no media handler can save you. So sometimes it gets back to the issue. What's the substance? Mm, The substance is all, isn't it? Um, Look, uh, when I avail of you and uh, we're done and dusted and uh, if if I need a follow-up or polishing, are you there for me? Will I be unflappable? The way way, way it works, and I'll be quite upfront. So we're going to have six to ten people in, and it could be in Drogheda, it could be be mostly in the Alex Hotel uh, in Dublin, Mm. and a a maximum of ten people, but but, but six people, and you have the day. That's for 1,500 euros, there's no bat on it. Now, after, and there's various takeouts from the uh, and, and, and side things, but for 450 euros, 1950 all in, what I'll do is this. So you want to do an interview on this widget-making business you have, or if you're a charity, you want to get the essence of your homeless thing or whatever across and to be able to do it. So then, like, 
when you're doing this interview, you get a brief from your researcher, producer, and all the rest of it. Name, context, current issues, questions that you might ask, and all that kind of thing. So you send me the topic of what it is and what it is, and I will then do a Zoom call with you, with iQuest, who's doing all the professional and the administrative work on this, and I will grill you for 15 minutes on that topic. Like, I will barbecue you. I will give you a punishment (laughs) beating, Jerry, And I will make sure that the interview I give you will be harder than anyone else will ever give you. Everything else will seem like light relief subsequently. And then what will happen is, I'll say, well, Jerry, you did well, or maybe you could have put it this way, or actually, you're waffling, you haven't answered the question, and so on. And so therefore, that'll be on your topic, and it will be entirely bespoke to you. That's why you're with me today, you see, you're with the pussycat here. But anyway, don't worry about that for this afternoon. But here's the thing for you. Um, I wanted to ask you this. I have to say, I admire you greatly. I loved you on the hard shoulder and miss you so much still, may I say. Uh, and uh, I, tell me this. Look, it's been, I've been reading and watching and listening. I have you with me today. Why did you go? Money, age, lifestyle, tired, new challenge, what? Well, so the question is what? Why uh, did you uh, go? Why did you step back from radio and television? Oh, is there one reason. big reason or is there a, a, an amalgam of reasons? Oh, yeah, amalgam of reasons. But like the, the, the situation throughout my life, uh, I was very successful in politics. I was frontline. I'd been a cabinet minister and I, I might have been a candidate for the leadership party and I threw it all, all to one side and I developed a bookmaking business from three grand a week as a hobby in one shop in Tremor to 63, doing 40, uh, four, doing four million a week and then the bankruptcy hit. And then my, my entire broadcasting career on radio television and columnist was accidental. I never planned it uh, because I had a high profile. I was asked to fill in one day for George and I just had found I started in 09 I did an early morning breakfast show I had filled in at various times with Virgin Media and TV3 I'd done early morning Sunday AM and done different programs and I always when I reach a point where I have given something my all and I mean you know like they say in the Mm. dressing room before a match don't come back into this dressing room until you've left everything out on the pitch I actually get highly motivated by doing something entirely new, be it a business venture or whatever. I'm, a, I'm not a time server. I'm not someone who just do, does things for a salary or a job. And I just want a new challenge. And I, I, I had a secondary issue. Uh, I had my legacy issues from the bankruptcy sorted out. And I wanted to move back to Wexford, whereas I had to live in Dublin to be on the hamster wheel of the media. So I've come back to Enniscorthy and come to Wexford. My wife wanted to retire from teaching. So she was going to move back to Enniscorthy, whether I moved or not. And I'm not capable of dressing myself or feeding myself. So she, I had to go wherever she was. So it's a combination of the circumstance. And also, it has to be said, that the finances I took a break to get off breakfast and, to, and I ended up on the hard shoulder and the Tonight Show. And when I came back from, took a sabbatical in America. Um, Virgin Media and News Talk said, we love you and the ratings are fantastic and all the rest of it. But we have to pay you half of what we paid you before. And I said, well, that doesn't really work for me. And they said, well, 70% of all advertising has gone on to digital. And, and, and so therefore there is another underlying truth, which is, the money uh, was not as good insofar as the future of commercial media, media is extremely difficult. It's even worse in print. So there's that was that backdrop as well. Um, but put it like this, you reach a stage when you're, I'm going to be 62 next month, money isn't everything. Um, but so it's a combination of factors.
Ah, sure. There's a three-letter word there. You should give them a call, R-T-E, and there wouldn't be a bothering you with money. <laughs> well, well, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say that um, the truth of it was, when I was on radio or television, like you, the guests would be the same on RTE and commercial TV and radio. The news would be the same. So I was always looking to say, what could come out of my mouth? on the hard shoulder that you would not hear out of someone in RT. And that could be PC, it could be mm. uh, uh, punditry, it could be slagging some politician, it, should, it could be giving my opinion on things. And basically, it was the freedom to say anything I liked uh, and say, look, you can fire me, I don't mind. Uh, I wouldn't have that freedom in RT. So I think there would be a cultural issue there. Um, Vincent Brown you took over from there was yourself and yeah. Matt then presenting yeah. primetime evening radio shows together now Matt's gone and Kira Doherty will be joined by Claire Brock have you a, a view? Well I, I, I really enjoy, enjoyed my time it is very very hard work you do a three hour live show what do you do Jerry? an hour? Two, no, two, two hours five days two, yeah. okay, and two, by the way okay. while you're on that if you think I rock up here at half one come down here and join me some week <laughs> Well, what I what I used to always say, like I would I would set the alarm for ten past four. Yes, the, the, the breakfast program was seven to ten. But I always gave the impression, oh, Chris Dunne was here since four. I just came in at three minutes to seven, which wasn't true. But it was just a way of showing that I was kind of my brand was casual and kind yeah. of devil may care. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. What you don't see is all the preparation by not only mm. yourself and your team. I used to have, like, for the hard order, 14 briefs. And then I would turn around at, at 7 o'clock. And before I get the taxi out to Ballymount, I would have 70 pages of, of, of stuff to read. Now, some of it overlap, but uh, and every production team is different. So, actually, I could see with Sam, uh, with, with Matt, that the, 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 the hamster wheel just gets too much and if you spread yourself too too thinly with events and things like that and he writes books and columns and so on it actually takes a toll and and maybe you're better to give it so no the show has slightly changed when 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 i uh, was there you see i don't regard myself ever as a journalist uh, in search of the truth I regard myself as, as the most important opinion is my opinion mm. and also how I add colour. So I'm into debating. I'm into arguing and uh, 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 oh, I'm trying to get humour into it. It could be self-deprecating humour or whatever. And therefore, with Matt and me, there was an element of he was the journalist and was chalk and cheese and I was the, the one saying, I'll come off it. You know what I mean? Or you, you can't be serious. And, and it, it straddled kind of the Vincent thing where... You know, sometimes he was asking questions, but more times he was berating you. Yes. So uh, uh, now with Claire and, and Karen, I wish them every success. The, the the situation is it is more like a rolling news program. Okay, here's the stuff that happened today. Here's what's going to happen tomorrow, and here's a little bit more depth than you get on the news. It is actually an excellent program in terms of informing. My job was to enrage you, to make you smile before you went to bed. <laughs> and you did it by the bucket load. Look, just before I let you go, I will admit, we were t- we started talking about the golf, so we're going to finish with sport. For my sins, I am a national supporter. I do know you follow Manchester City. And I predicted on this show on Friday, Arsenal beat a B-team West Brom in the Egg Cup during the week, 6-0. And I said, it'll probably be the v- reverse at the uh, Etihad on Saturday. I was nearly right. I was only a goal wrong. Anyway, forget about the Gunners. They're a lost cause. City for the league again? Well, first of all, 
part of the, the, the pleasure and the pain of being a supporter is that you go through ups and downs and if Pep leaves after 2023 maybe City will be on a downer uh, so so what goes around comes around and I've you know seen huge success with Arsenal and I've been to the mm. Emirates Stadium and it's a great club it's a great mm. club and I actually like Arteta as a system manager to Pep the, the situation is the holy grail for City is to try and win the Champions yes. League because we've never done it but uh, I, I would be very hopeful that in all sort of four or five competitions, Egg Cup even, uh, City will be competitive because they've depth in their squad. They didn't get Harry Keane, but maybe he's not the type of player they really want. Uh, no, put it like this. In all my life of following teams, the great thing about City, even on days where things don't go so well, they're just a joy to watch. The way they're movement off the ball, mm. they're passing. It's just a joy to watch and I really, really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to the season greatly. Ivan Yates, MediaMasterclass.ie is the details. All the details are there. MediaMasterclass.ie. It's been a pleasure. Very best wishes to you and thank you for joining me today. Thank you and every continued success to you and all in LMFM. Thanks, Ivan. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Ivan Yates there. A man I do miss, I have to say, on radio and television. Dermot Kennedy and Power Over Me. Jesus, Tyrone had the power over Kerry, hadn't it, the weekend? And the Healy Rays thought they were smart boys, huh? <laughs> I'll leave it with you to think about that one, the Healy Rays smart boys, huh? Tyrone and Mayo in the final. It's Mayo's Louise this year. It's Mayo's. I hope They're so. going to lay it to rest. That's since 1951. I'm convinced Mayo will do it this everybody year. Everybody will be watching oh, the final this year. everybody. I think it's this is the time if they're going to do it or ever do it. It's this time. Now, Tyrone will certainly put it up to them that they've had a good rest for the last while. But anyway, uh, Mayo and Tyrone in the final on the 11th of September. And like all the sport, uh, Nicole Turner has just won a silver in the last couple of hours in Tokyo in the pool for Ireland. Well done. Really well. Oh, and Katie George done leaving and Eve McChrystal winning the other day. Uh, silver as well and that wasn't their best event we spoke to Eve before she went and she didn't expect the first two events they're out on the road tomorrow and again on the 3rd of September we wish them well there but we're picking up the medals golds and silver all round there well done to Team Ireland at Paralympics in Tokyo hey Louise I, I'm, I'm asking you a question straight answer please spotted this myself over the weekend a pet sofa <laughs> <laughs> yes there's such a thing as a sofa for your pet Mainly for dogs, I'd say, but you could put a cat in it if you wanted as well. Or What's it look like? A big it's an actual lovely little sofa that you'd put in the corner of your room. Uh, DFS are selling them and they're pushing them. Pet sofas, folks. Would you spend €359 <laughs> no. Euro on a pet sofa? You don't even have to finish, no. <laughs> Is there anybody out there who would spend €359 Euro or has spent? What's so special about it? Apart from its €359 locker at DFS, the pet sofa. Anyway, I've seen it all when I saw it. I said to myself, well, well, two. well. <laughs> yeah, let's have two of them for the crack, you know. Oh, my God. What? A pet sofa to spend that money if my poor dad was alive who loved his four-legged friends and had every type, as you know, of, of dog race, greyhounds, hunting dogs, pets, you name it. <laughs> There was never a pet sofa. We were lucky to have a sofa ourselves to sit in in our own house. Never mind a bloody pet sofa. In the name of St. I wonder what it would be like, you know, the way you can buy little toddler 
sofas and chairs for little babies like no, this. You want to see this thing now? This is the... Have to look it up. Have it look it up. DFS pet sofa. It's the, it's, it's the Rolls Royce of sofas for, for your pet. Would you buy it? Have you bought it? What do you think of the idea of a pet sofa in the room which is that they can sit down comfortably themselves and join you in the evenings? If you have an opinion, we'd mm-hmm. love to hear from you. Woof woof 086 658. So the that normally the dog takes over their chair would buy one. Yes. <laughs> and they'll do that yeah. if you let Messi in now now he doesn't get in the, he was in and out of the house summertime in that but we don't really have him in at night he has his utility and his bed there see I understand that a dog is a pet lots of people don't understand that and, and good luck to you, if you people love their dogs and love their animals but we've always had these you know what I mean what would you call borders or parameters between you know the dog and the people in the house. You know, that's the way it works in typologic in our home anyway. Anyway, pet sofas, what about it? 086-1800-658. Well, Jerry says, Dan, what have Arsenal and a pencil got in common? The pencil has a point. I'll take it all. I'll take it all. I deserve it. That's uh, for sure. Yes. Is there any point about Arsenal is right at the moment. Now, we're staying on the sporting theme because Mead Miners bridged a long gap winning the All-Ireland minor title on Saturday. What a thrilling game it was against Tyrone. It was the curtain raiser before the All-Ireland senior final. Let's remind ourselves of that winning point. Conor Ennis is taking on Tyrone. Still Conor Ennis. Can he conjure up something? Still Conor Ennis. Gives the ball back to Christian Finley. Gives the ball on. Meath have possession. James Foley comes to Christian Finley again. They're being forced out the field. The referee is looking at his watch. It comes to Sean Leonard. Sean Leonard has it. Goes for the winning score in the All-Ireland final. Sean Leonard has got the point that wins the Ireland Minor Championship surely for me one goal and 12 points to one goal and 11 the score on the board the time is up we've got the four minutes of additional time played Yes, our Brennan Cummins there bringing us those final dramatic moments when uh, the point went over the bar from Sean Leonard to win the All-Ireland minor title for Meath. And joining me on the line is uh, our very own David Sheehan, presenter of Sunday Sport and a proud Meath man, I'm sure, today. Hello, David. How are you doing, Jerry? Yeah, absolutely. Very, very proud after that. Oh, it's just something else, really, to to win a minor title. But David, look, it's fair to say they've been knocking round at this level for a little while now. This is probably the culmination of going close. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the what happened in the, with the twenty twenty minor group, obviously winning the the Leinster earlier this year, which was delayed due to COVID, as we know, um, beaten by Derry, who went on to win it in a semi final. But as you said, like the the signs have been there for me for the last number of years that they were getting their their house in order essentially at underage level which was something that had been maybe neglected for a long time I think people felt back in the glory days of Mead football that, that maybe things were just kind of coming together naturally and that there wasn't necessarily a, a huge amount of work having to be put in players were coming through and everything else but in the last probably since probably the turn of the millennium really 2000 onwards both at senior level and underage level Mead had sort of struggled and as you said there, it's the first All-Ireland minor title in, in almost 30 years, which is really remarkable for a county of Meath's kind of stature in terms of Gaelic football. So, so yeah, certainly it's it's really uh, the culmination of a, of a lot of work that's gone in with this group of players, Carlo Bricks, been there for a few years. And I think the other thing that's, that's key here is the continuity. You know, there's been the continuity of management coming up through the grades. Players have stuck together, management teams have stuck together. And that kind of churn that we've seen, particularly at, at under-20 level in the last few years of management, hasn't really been the case at underage level. They seem to have a lot of core lads that are in there the whole way through and that's been 
hugely beneficial. When you say almost 30 years, it's an awful long time and you wouldn't have expected me not to be figuring in in that particular period. Looking at this team, and, and you know more about them than I do, do most of them move on before the next campaign? And, and the second question is then, you know, do they do Mead need, and they went close prior to this, perhaps another couple of sides to form the bases then? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Getting a couple of players from each or three or four players from each era to then really underpin the senior team? Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at Terry, who I think won five All-Ireland minor titles in a row, and we saw what happened to them at the weekend. So underage success isn't any guarantee of senior success, but it certainly doesn't do any harm. In terms of the, the age profile of the squad, I, I, I couldn't claim to know exactly what the situation is with next year's team, but I know, for example, Conor McQueenie is only 15, you know? So oh my God, there's, yeah. a lad, there's a lad who was playing in the half-forward line at the weekend and, and is, is still eligible for another couple of years. So, you know, but looking through the team, the one thing that struck me, and I mentioned that on the show yesterday, the starting 15 for me on Saturday, 12 different clubs were represented there, you know, um, and then two more came on off the bench, Beliver and Trim lads came on off the bench, but you had, you know, you had your, your, your big main clubs in there, you had you had Screen, you had Retote, you had Dunboyne, you had Dunham or Ashburn, then you have the likes of Rumbara, Kilbride, Ball and the Bracky, who are obviously senior now, but that's the first time in their history that they have been, so it shows the, the, the kind of, the depth of talent around the county you know there's a, there's a long number of years there where people would have felt that it was only the big teams that were being looked at the senior clubs that were being looked at in terms of players for me teams and this team as I said massively well represented um, across the, the county you know and, and it's great to see lads from Castletown and places like that as well in there so it, that's that's what I kind of noticed about the team it was the number of different clubs that were represented and that's testament to all of the individual clubs of course that are doing the work with these players but also to the management that they're scouring the county and pulling one lad from this club, one lad from another club, one or two lads from different clubs. So I think that's, that was the one thing that stood out for me in terms of the makeup of the team as well, you know. And David, how, where do you stand on the whole, uh, you know, contention that you hear that you cannot have senior success without a bedrock? Just coming back to that point again of underage, and people are pointing to Dublin at the minute to say, well, maybe they don't have uh, the run of players coming through now that they had previously. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, we let's go back to the 90s, for example. We just mentioned there how Mead hadn't won a minor All-Ireland since 1992, but Mead won a, a senior All-Ireland in 1996, they won a senior All-Ireland in 1999. Now, the 96 team did have uh, an under-21 backbone coming through there of a successful under-21 team with Mark O'Reilly, Darren Fay and players like that. So I don't think it's it's um, any guarantee for, for, for certain it isn't. And, and Mead traditionally down through the years would have had players who would have represented them at senior level and with distinction, but who hadn't played underage football for Mead. So you have that kind of thing. I'm thinking of the likes of Evan Kelly, who I don't think played underage football for Mead, but was a key cornerstone of their senior team success in that late 90s team. So as you said, it's not necessarily any guarantee. And as we mentioned earlier with Kerry, but look, it can't do any harm, you know. And I think the key thing here, and this is something I discussed with players and managers of underage teams in Mead, that gap between under 17 and under-20s. And Marcus Brennan, the need selector, mentioned this when he spoke to Brendan on Saturday. That's the gap now that needs to be that needs to be closed. And these players need to be nurtured and brought through to the under-20s. Because, for example, if somebody comes out of the under-17s this year and they're not, under, they're, not, they're not underage for minor next year, but they're not quite ready to make a step up to under-20s, well, where do they go for a year or two? You know, do they, get, do they get kept in some kind of a system? Do they get nurtured? Or do they just get left up to their own devices for a year or two? And then by the time they're but they're, they're big enough and good enough to play under-20s, they're maybe, they're maybe not in the right physical condition or whatever. So that's, 
that's what needs to be done now is that that pathway through to the under 20s and ultimately through to the seniors needs to be really uh, carefully managed I think While you're with me um, Kerry not happy I would say a lot of uh, sabre rattling since the defeat to Tyrone uh, uh, aspersions being cast left right and centre have you any view? On the on the carry defeat. Yes, yes. In terms of you know, like the you know, you can hear the undercurrent that's going on. Were Tyrone really so badly afflicted with COVID? What do you make of that? Is it just sour grapes? Um, I I I I think there was a lot of talk about this last week, and there were a few articles about it, and there was there were suggestions that that the, the Tyrone squad had taken an anti-vaccination stance, and Fergal Logan had made some comments about that that they felt that the vaccine. Would send would put lads under. I think was the term used for two weeks, which meant that they would drop below their their normal performance levels. But I really don't think that makes any difference. Kerry didn't show up on Saturday. You know that's that's the bottom line. And in fairness to Kerry, they they came out and they gave Tyrone their their blessing to to play, to play the game a week later than had already been planned, which was obviously first of all it was a week pushed out and then ended up being pushed out another week. But um. Ultimately, Kerry didn't perform once again. They they were they were badly caught out at the weekend. Um. Tyrone just, I don't like the, the phrase wanted it more because I don't think that's uh, applicable, but Tyrone just tore into them. Kerry seemed to run out of ideas very quickly in terms of how they were going to break down that Tyrone defence. Then David Clifford went off injured, so he was a huge loss. But uh, Kerry just, just looked like they, they didn't have to fight for it when it came down to it. And I talked to Master Shea last night on the Sunday game saying that they need a few more dogs in their defence. You know, that they they a lot of good footballers, but they're maybe missing that little bit of devil that, that Tomas himself would have embodied back in the day. So, um, I think you can certainly questions could be asked of Tyrone and, and what happened with the COVID situation but the bottom line is they showed up on, on Saturday and Kerry didn't uh, Yeah, no, Shea has said as well he doesn't think this management team can take uh, Kerry any further watch this space back to the Royal County because another big big, week, big weekend beckons next weekend with the ladies uh, taking on Dublin in the All-Ireland Senior Final it's a big ask for them if we're being real, realistic isn't it? It is a big ask to them because Dublin are the you know the, the dominant force in, in ladies football at the moment. But you know, I, it's only it's only a few years ago. I can't remember exactly which year it was, but it maybe two or three years ago. I was at a Division Three final between Mead and uh, Sligo. I think it was in Clonus. And the progress that the Mead team have made in the in the intervening years has just been unbelievable. I mean, we know what happened in the semi final against Cork. I think Brendan Cummins has only just recovered from that one when he had to go through the, the drama of, of Saturday with the Mead <laughs> finals. But but you know, they, they pulled that one out of the bag and. The standard of football in general across the board at senior level in the ladies' competition has just gone up so so much in recent years. But me, their fitness levels, their their athleticism, their their balls, their, just their skills. Like you see, you know, Emma Duggan kicking points for fun in that semi-final. Um, so I think they'll, they'll definitely have their work cut out against Dublin, but they won't fear. You know, they won't fear Dublin at all. They'll be looking forward to that, and they'll be they'll be really confident given given it a good rattle and. You know, whether or not it's good enough on the day, I don't know because Dublin have that experience. But uh, it'll be certainly a very interesting one. And it's one I'm really looking forward to because it's been a great year for me, for me, GA, really across the board. When you look at the minor, the minors, the 2020 minors win in Leinster, the, the 2021 minors win in Leinster and in All Ireland. And just, just quickly to go back to that minor team, I mean, they beat Dublin out the gate in the Leinster final. Semi final against Sligo, they were cruising in that one. They conceded a penalty which could have set them back, but they came back and they won that comfortably. The final on Saturday, conceded an early goal against Tyrone and a softish goal as well but that didn't phase them they came back and they, they won it okay they you know Tyrone kicked a few wide towards the end but you have to you have to take your scores in these finals and if you don't you're not going to win so it's been a great year for, for me and it's been a great few weeks for me so if the ladies were to pull it off on, on uh, 
on Saturday it, it would be or Sunday if you say sorry it would be um, it would be remarkable but yeah it's it's supposed to the rising tide at the moment Jerry and me that I guess everybody in the county will be hoping that the underage success will transfer into you know under 20 and, and senior success maybe down the road but as you said it, there's no guarantees in, mm. in sports you just have to work with what you have and, and try and as we said nurture these lads through to to senior level and see what happens then you know well, you'd love this, honestly. You can't see it, but I'll describe it for you and listeners. Uh, and, and, and this is uh, really great, and I thank listeners for it. They're sending us in pictures. I was talking about DFS, who are selling a sofa for your pet, mainly pet dogs, for 300, nearly 400 euro, right? And people are sending me in pictures of most of their dogs where they love to rest in their homes. Well, David, maybe this is just fortuitous and predicts the future. Christie's just sent me in a picture of his little doggy sitting in the Sam Maguire cup, David. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's something in the air for future years. Will you be back for a senior men's final and that cup making its way to County Mead? Who knows? Yeah, you never know. I think, look, there's, there's those of us of a certain generation are old enough to remember the, the glory days. And I was reminded earlier on, listening to Brendan's commentary of the that free at the end that went wide and he initially thought it was over. It reminded me of, of Keith Barr's penalty against against Mead in, in 91 when Sherrick Hanning thought it was in and it went wide. So, look, a lot of us from, from a, a certain generation have a lot of fond memories of Mead. And I think, and it was something, again, that Matty alluded to on, on Saturday, this Mead minor team, they play football in a very traditional Mead style. There's a lot of kicking. There's a lot of big men there, but then there's a lot of really gutsy, smaller guys like Conor Ennis, who you heard there on the commentary from Brendan, who made that long-busting run forward um, to set up the winning score. So they've a, they've a real kind of traditional mix of yeah. need traits in there. And I think that's what, what you know endears them to people, and let's hope there's more success coming for them. Please God, there is. David Sheehan, presenter of Sunday Sport, thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. That's our own David Sheehan there with a fine analysis of uh, Mead football. And again, congratulations to all of the players, their mentors, and to everyone involved with Mead Miners. Wonderful, wonderful success. I was actually watching a documentary on Bob Marley on one of those way out stations the other night from my 976 channels that there was nothing else on. Well, sure, when you watch a documentary on Bob, there's nothing for it but to listen to him on late lunch. Here he is, the great man, no woman. No cry, Bob Marley. Christy was back to me who sent me the picture of the wee dog and Sam Maguire. Just to let you know, Jerry, his name was Chip and he passed away in February. I'm sorry to hear that, Christy. Lovely snap, one to be treasured forever for sure and brings back great memories. Now, my next guest on the show, I'll just context where we're going to have a chat for you. Uh, Farmers Weekly is and has been published in the UK since 1934. It's one of the most important agricultural uh, magazines and it runs an annual competition for Agricultural Student of the Year. It's been shortlisted to three finalists from thousands of entries. Chloe Gimson and Jessica Langton, two ladies, are there. And, believe it or not, one of our own, John Halton from Ratmaline in County Mead, is the third. And he joins me on the line to tell me more. Hello, John. Hello, Jerry. How are things? I'm very good and great to have you with us this afternoon. How did you qualify for this competition? Obviously, you were over there in the UK. What were you at? 
Well, I was uh, in university in the UK and I attended a university. I just graduated this year and the university is called Harper Adams University. It's well known for Irish roots. It used to have actually a, a Gaelic football club mm. uh, years ago and it got expanded up. But I went over there to study agriculture um, from a family dairy farm in Rathmaline in County Meath. And I went over there, I just wanted a totally different um, experience and a different opportunity to meet different people. And I went over there and done a three-year course in agriculture, um, specialising in animal nutrition. So that's kind of how I ended up out there. And this year, I was just on the phone, um, I was on a team's um, call and with my tutor, and he mentioned to me, would you ever think about going for Ag Student of the Year? Because I've a lot of, I do a lot of things outside uh, mm. student life and outside um, the dairy farm at home. And he suggested to me, and I milled it over a couple of times, and I kind of, I thought it was half mad going for it. And <laughs> I decided, why not? Sure, I might as well throw my hat into the ring. I didn't think it'd go any further. I'd just done it for the sheer laugh of it. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a laugh when I was doing it. And then, lo and behold, one night, I was sitting eating dinner and I got a phone call saying that I was being shortlisted and I was gobsmacked from there on. And that's really how it kind of happened. That's great. It's great. It really is great. So you're in the final three and this is a major annual competition and they like you. They really like you. Tell me your own farm there uh, back home in Rathmaline. What are you, are you dairy farm and uh, what, what's the main breed of cattle there? Uh, we are, yeah, we uh, farm about over 200 acres there and ped- we breed pedigree hosting cows and for anyone that's interested kind of in figures and all that, we are... Um, doing 9,000 litres uh, per annum per cow with over 600 kilos of milk solids, which is your fat and your protein. Mm. Um, so we like our, we like our pedigree um, Holstein cows and I have a very big passion for breeding as well, cows. And that's really what we do on the family farm at home. And Yeah. Yeah. And and the 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 Holsteins are really uh, they're, they're Frisians. They're a Dutch breed, aren't they? They're the classic black and white that you'll see out in the fields. Yeah, no, the classic black and white, uh, they originate from Holland. Mm. I can't even remember the date now. Probably should remember the date. Oh, not at all. It's a long time ago, John. That'll do us. But anyway, that's your home farm. But you're working uh, with a herd in Ballydugan Dairy in Westmead. What's the story there? Are they Holsteins as well? And is that a big operation? Yeah, um, I'm a far, uh, herd manager with Ballydugan Dairies and um, Moat in Westmead. And I'm kind of um, taken in charge of the running, day-to-day running of the dairy herd and over staff members too. And um, I started this job a month and a half ago at this, I think, yeah, just a month, just a month ago, actually. Uh, this day, a month ago, was my first day. So I'm a month in the job now and I'm loving it. Um, they run 400 um, cow, uh, head of dairy cows, all pedigree Holsteins too. And yeah, um, that's really it now, I have to say. The dissertation, you had to do a dissertation in your studies and a lot of other work as well. Um, you've been talking about another breed of cow that uh, you're, you've uh, looked at, and they're a great cheese producer, aren't they? Yes, they're known for their milk solids, and um, you're, you're, when you're looking at your milk solids, it's, it's ideally, it's really good for cheese making. I big believe I wanted to find out more about organic dairy farming in Ireland. I'm fascinated by dairy farming, by the way. 
Mm. And I I don't didn't know too much about organic farming, and I wanted to see if I was going down that route in agriculture. What is the best cow should I breed? Mm. So I was thinking there, and I said, right, I'll do my dissertation on that. It was a five thousand word um, uh, note kind of thing I'd done on it. Big enough um, operation now, and so it was. Yeah, I looked at four different types of breeds. Um, your the Frisian cross. Yeah, Half Holstein, Mount Balliard, and Jersey. Mm. And out of that, what I done, I done a survey and a few surveys out in line, and I talked to different organic dairy farmers, and I found that one of the most best ones for us, anyway, would be the Mount Balliard. Yes, um, to use. Mm. It's a hardier breed, and it's a beefier breed. Yeah, and it produces yep. the wonderful milk, as you say, to produce a famous, famous cheese. So your dissertation came with this conclusion, pointing in that direction. And I'm sure it's something uh, you'll consider as your life and career moves on. But look at the other, like they, they love all you've done with this, like the people who are judging this competition. The other thing is the coronavirus pandemic, as we all know, March 2020, the world changed. But hold, hold on a minute. You started to make your mark on TikTok. What's that about? Yeah, well, I was actually funny enough. I was I, I wouldn't be big. I wouldn't be big in social media. I wasn't really big into it. I'm bigger into it now. Like a friend of mine, we were out one night out, and she said to me, "Would you ever think of doing a funny TikTok?" So I was kind of milling it over in the head. Jeez, I'm, I done a one, the first one, and it was just feeding up the cows that morning, and it done very well. I think it got over ten thousand views within a few um, days. And Jesus said, right, sure, I might as well keep making more. And I went down more that um, educational route. Mm. I felt that that was kind of what I wanted because I have a passion talking about farming. And from that, it just gained momentum. momentum and now I'm at nearly 16,000 followers. Good man yourself. And and they are, they're paying big attention to you. Funny, the one that got a great view for you, wasn't it? You did one on mastitis, which is an issue in dairy farming. That really uh, caught people's attention. Yeah, that really did keep um, people's attention because outside agriculture, not many people have heard of mastitis. And it just made them aware that sometimes you have to use like the antibiotic usage, which is big, it's a big topic, hot topic mm. now. Sometimes they need it to get better. And that's one thing about the mastitis video I want to show what mastitis is and how we treat it. Yeah. And yeah. that's done extremely well. I, I think that it got over 100,000 views. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That one jumped out at me. That one really did well, Fiona. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a, the cow starts to uh, produce abnormal milk and there's other problems as, involved as well. But you should check that out if you want to find out a bit more uh, about it. The other thing you mentioned there about organic and the future and where agriculture is going. Um, anaerobic digesters. This is something you're big time into as well. Yeah, I've... When I was out in the UK, it's something that really stood out to me. I'd be driving around the road and I'd have, um, you'd see a big um, uh, AD plant, an aerobic digester, which is makes energy. And they put, put it back into the national grid, mm. which I think is a great job. I've worked on a few cases with them and I've talked to many of them, many people that many farmers that do have them on the farm and they reckon it's a real good um, option uh, for renewable energy because you're making you're growing crops and you're putting it into this best way to describe it is a cow's stomach mm. which bug 
and basically what's in a cow's stomach is you have bugs and you have whole different microbiology in it and they break the food down to create a gas and that gas is released into a generator and then it generates its own electricity which is it's not it's not big in Ireland at the minute but there's a lot of talk in the Irish Farmers Journal about it and I think that there'll be it'll be a very um, good renewable source of energy because we all know that uh, the peat um, plant has closed down there in Eden Dairy. Yeah. It's a far as Eden Dairy, and they're on about maybe blackouts now this winter. And I think if we'd more of them in the country, it'd be a good job of uh, producing our own electricity yes. on farms. Yeah, so you see huge potential in this going forward, and, and it's on your agenda. Um, maybe people don't know about you. You, you were a, a, a really accomplished runner, weren't you? You did very well at the cross country. Yeah, so I've done very well at the cross country. Um, I run for, well, I used to, I have to get back in it now, actually. Um, I used to run for Trim Athletics. Um, and yeah, I was a very good runner with them. And I got one, a good few medals um, for the county and as well. And yeah, no, I love the, the running now. I just have to get back into it now. That's the problem. Oh, and, well, um, you will, you will, you will. So you've been so busy with studying in the UK, your job here, the farm at home, working and all this type of stuff. Um, look, when you when you are where you are now, when is the, when is the uh, the winner of this to be announced? The winner is to be announced on the 7th of October in the Grosvenor Hotel in London. Are you going over? Oh, jeez, you have to go over. The whole family's going over now. Of course. Jeremy acting, acting the cod there. He said, of course you're going and all the family will be dolled up for the night. The Grosvenor Hotel, no less. Oh, my God. That's yeah, going to be... a big five-star hotel in London. <laughs> oh, you love that. The family's going and the girlfriend's going and the oh. auntie's going and... The whole lot. I think we booked nearly two tables. Right? <laughs> and you'll have the old dicky on and everything and it'll be pampered. Oh, God, tonight, I, I really do hope you win it. Something I just wanted to say to you, because you're a great young fella and you're going places, you really are. Um, during your lifetime, and, and you've said this, that, you know, you often met people who said to you, look, John, uh, forget about, you know, going to university. Forget about doing this. You'll never do that. You never listen to them, obviously, John. No, like, I always blank out negativity. I think negativity can be um, a very bad thing, and I always want to make the most of what the opportunity I have. If my mother says you have to reach for the stars, and that's what I always wanted to do. And I always just blanked it out and continued on doing my own little thing in my own little way, and it's got me this far, so hopefully it'll get me me the rest of the way. It certainly will. You're a great story. You really are. And to meet, I want to say it again to listeners, to make the final three in Farmers Weekly Ag Student of the Year in the UK, two other ladies there, Chloe Gimson and Jessica Langton, along with yourself, the Grosvenor, the beginning of October. Oh, fingers crossed. We're rooting for you all the way. Please, God, you'll be back with us on late lunch when you lift the crown. But for the moment, John, continued success to you and keep doing what you're doing. There's a bright future for agriculture in this country with the likes of John Halton driving us forward. Thanks, John. Hey, Jerry, one one thing I want to say, um, thank you very much for having me on. And I'd like to say a big hello to the two brothers, Timothy and Eric Halton, and also my girlfriend, uh, Anna Robinson. She's driving back um, 
at the minute in the UK and she's listening to on the radio and I want to say a big hello to them and my mother and my father too and my aunties and all that. Good man, John. And I want to say hello to them all as well. You're a great fella and thanks for joining us and best wishes in October, John. Thank you very much, Jerry. Very much appreciate it now. Take care of yourself. That's John Halton there. Lovely fella from Ratmaloyne in County Meath. Lovely guy, isn't he, John Halton? Oh, he's a big night ahead of him. In October, he's a guy with a real vision uh, for the future of the aspect of farming and, you know, side issues as well that he's involved in. And I really do hope he wins. He's just such a real down-to-earth guy. I wish him all of the very best. Now, still to come on late lunch, she will be with us. Yes, she was to be with us earlier, but she's coming now after three the show Lisa Kennedy is here she's a preschool teacher and you know you might think journals have gone out of fashion but perhaps they have but Lisa's latched onto this and she's so interesting and she produced a beautiful journal for children and teenagers as well she's going to be talking to us about that what about my artists of the week anybody have a guess formed in 1991 in Manchester who are my artists of the week this week it's going to be sex and drugs and rock and roll this week <laughs> with my artist of the week I can assure you what a story they have anyway care to get a guess on that one 086 658 by WhatsApp or text get in touch with us on the show but John Halton a moment ago mentioned that his mammy said to him don't mind those negative negative people the begrudgers John just you, son. And I say this to so many people out there. If you're, you know, surrounded by negativity, you might be feeling a little down today. People just bombard you with negativity. If you turn on the news now, honestly, I know people are switching off the news. And it's a reality what's going on in Afghanistan and other places in the world. But people are just saying, I can't take any more of it. Anyway, John Halton's mammy said to him, reach for the stars for John and everyone heading to the Grosvenor in October. Here they are, as Club seven. If that doesn't lift your heart this Monday afternoon, I don't know what will. I just love that song. I really do. And there's a message in it. Yeah. Reach for those stars. You have to reach. You might never get there, but you always have to try and reach. And if you do that, well, no one can knock you. Yes, 1998. Did you know this? They were formed. They were five years together. They had four UK number one hit singles and a hit album as well. They sold over 10 million records. God almighty. They were so successful in their era. Do you remember them? Bradley McIntosh, Hannah Spirit, Joe O'Mara, John Lee, Paul Catamole, and Rachel Stevens, do you remember? Well, Rachel must be the most famous of all of them. And Tina Barrett, have to give her a mes- uh, mention as well. That was the seven of them. And they were a, a group made up by former Spice Girls manager Simon Fuller. And uh, they did uh, really, really well for themselves, I have to say. Really, really well. Anyway, Miguel is on to me. Sex, drugs and rock and roll. If it's Oasis, I'm turning you off for the rest of the week. So sorry, Jerry. Nothing personal to you. I never liked them. So please don't let them be your artist of the week. week or I'll scream goodbye, says Magella. Well, Magella, we're heading to news, weather and sport. And I'll say to you, adieu, goodbye, Magella. 
Well, I know I'm one listener down now anyway, but sure, I can fire ahead and tell you, yes, that my artists of the week this week are Oasis. They were formed in Manchester in 1991. Did you know they were known initially as Rain? The Oasis band comprised the Gallagher brothers, Liam and Noel. Liam there first and then Noel arrived. Paul Arthurs, Paul McGuigan and Tony McCarroll. Now, they were signed by Creation Records in 1993 and released their debut album, Definitely Maybe, in 1994, which made number one in the UK, was critically acclaimed and introduced Oasis to the world with a real bang. The following year, their second LP, What's the Story, Morning Glory, spent, listen to this, 10 weeks at number one in the UK, became an international major hit and is one of the biggest selling albums of all time. That was only their second studio album. In 1996, Oasis played the famous Nebworth, yes, famous outdoor venue in the UK, to an audience of 125,000 each night. That was a quarter of a million people. It was a record-breaking crowd in the UK back then at that time. Even then, however, there was constant tension between the Gallagher's. This and their well-documented wild lifestyle meant the brothers were simply tabloid gold. And perhaps it was this tension, living on the edge, that produced such brilliance. I'm sure it was. Today, I begin a week of Oasis with their first single from that second outstanding album. What's the story? Well, we'll find out the story all this week with me here on Late Lunch. Let's kick it off with Some Might Say... Oasis, my artist of the week this week on late lunch. I lost the listener, Margella switched off. She'll be back tomorrow, don't worry. I'm every confidence she will. Anyway, Paul's been on to say, it's about time, Jerry. you had Oasis as your artist of the week. I love them. Thanks indeed uh, for that, Paul. And we'll continue uh, Oasis in words and song on late lunch. Right about this time tomorrow afternoon. Now, final break of the day. And someone I've been promising you since the start of the show is John. Joining us, Lisa Kennedy is here in a moment from My Mind Really Matters. My final guest this Monday is a preschool teacher who has two sons. She wanted to buy a journal for her teenage niece, but she couldn't find one along the lines of what she wanted. Nothing for it but to design her own and publish it as well. And so My Mind Really Matters was born. I'll say hello this afternoon to Lisa Kennedy. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Have we got you there, Lisa? No Lisa there. Let's try and get her. Let's try and get her on the line. Good God almighty. I think I don't think I've experienced a, a tougher guest to get hold of on my time on Late Lunch Show. Anyway, we're going to give her a call now and hopefully get her for you. Back to the sofas for dogs. Jerry, I'd buy that sofa for my dog, says Marie. I looked it up after you mentioned it earlier on in the show and it's a beaut. I'd have no bother spending that money. I love my filet in the lap of luxury. He spends time beside me in the house every night. But I just think that's a tea would give him the lift. Well, there you go, Marie. If you have the bobs, so why not spend it on your pooch? I'll say it again. Hello to Lisa Kennedy. Hello, Lisa. Oh. 
Hi, hi, I'm finally here. How are you? I finally have you. Thank you for joining us on the show. Look, at just take us back, you know, and I, I want to just reiterate that again. You were looking for a journal. What, what Were the journals or were they just none for what you wanted for your teenage niece? Do you know what? I was looking for a journal that was positively, constructively helped them to share their thoughts. So when I was looking, everything was pink or red or, you know, there was nothing for our boys, our wonderful boys. And I just felt that they concentrated on the end result or you're happy today. Something that really sort of really helped them to share their thoughts or helped them to manage their emotions. So I just decided, you know what? I am going to create one. So that's what really happened. I have to say to you, I have it here beside me on the desk and I've had it over the weekend and I've been through it and I've really enjoyed it. And I, But I put this question to you. In this era yeah. with children and teens of electronic everything, the online world, <laughs> is there still, you know, room or do you think there's a demand? Well, obviously you do when you've gone and published it yeah. for the, you know, the hardback paper version. Yeah. yeah, well, I get asked this all the time and I especially get asked, you know, how do we get our teenagers to actually sit down, write in it and embrace it. So my my thoughts to and my knowledge that I will share with parents nationwide who are listening in is as a parent, when we buy a journal for our whether it be our teenagers, our young people, we are role modeling to them that this is a journal that essentially fosters, you know, all your emotional um, and positive thoughts. We are role modeling that we are a family where I'm listening to you. I'm here from you. I'm here for you. And that, you know, we are able to share who we are, embrace who we are. So, you know, the minute we embrace it and buy it and gift it to them, we are role modeling this is breaking down any stigma around not having a good day or not feeling wonderful today or my resilience isn't great. It's, it's a strategy and it's a start. And each day you lay out Monday to Sunday. So when you get this diary, you can start at any stage of the year and then carry it on for the 52 weeks. And each day has a little question with it. And then for the week, there are sort of general questions just to ask yourself, you know, yeah. things like what happened this week, what lessons you learned, the challenges, yeah. what you've overcome. Tell me this. They've got to, like, sit down and go with this and fill it out. And then when they do, let's say a young person, a teen or uh, a child, preteen, does this. Is it just for themselves or really should they then take it to maybe a parent or discuss it with anybody or is it very private and personal? It can work either way, depending on the child. You know, everyone is different. So it is, it's essentially catering for every child, not just the anxious child. We are all navigating this world and every day is either a good day, a bad day in between. So, you know, what, what I was hoping to do was to really foster that emotional language and that relationship among parents or caregivers or guardians, you know, whatever that might be. For the younger child, um, a lot of parents give me wonderful feedback. They're telling me, Lisa, really helped me to ask questions, really fostering conversations. 
is really helping, you know, that negative mindset of, you know, I can't do this, but maybe I will try. Um, so it can be it can be embraced either way, whether it be private or to share information. That's down to the individual. But essentially, you know, you're writing down your thoughts, you're sharing fears, or you're sharing goals. Um, it is a wonderful scientific strategy that is proven to really foster happier, more positive mindset in everyday life. Besides each day, which you provide for and the yeah. week, throughout this journal, which I really like, you cover very yeah. important areas like resilience yeah. and making mm-hmm. mistakes, uh, anxiety, cyberbullying, self-care, self-esteem and building yeah. positivity. So there are lovely little sections within this diary, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with each of those issues and explaining mm-hmm. them. And I, I, I think they're an excellent addition, may I say, to, to, the, to the diary concept per se. Um, um, but, but look, uh, two areas I wanted to pick out: anxiety, sure. reducing anxiety, yeah. and self-esteem, increasing that. They are two key components of any person's life, aren't they? Massively, and very, very important components to any person's life. So you know that whole area of self-esteem. So really, getting that language into our young people and teenagers of respecting and valuing themselves and giving them that language of, I felt it was very important to ask them the question of, how have you been kind to yourself this week? So they were, you know, just really you know, important topics for me that when I was growing up, nobody asked me, were you kind this week? And we do it a lot as adults. So it's that whole respectful approach. In terms of anxiety, it was important to me to break it down because we we see we are labeling it quite a lot and um, I felt you know it was really important again to write about it and share it with with them in the diary you know what is anxiety because it's so different to each individual so it's um it does talk about mindful ways to reduce it and how to recognize it so sometimes you know we don't know how to recognize it we don't necessarily know what it is so they're very, very important components in the, in these journals. So I, I, I'm really happy with the feedback I'm getting up and down the country nationwide. It's been received so well, especially in those areas, for sure. That's good to hear. I take it this comes from uh, being a good journaler. Can I say that yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. And I do get asked this a lot. So I would be a good journaler and I really like embracing my journal every day I like um, you know manifesting and and writing my goals and setting goals and you know these self challenges so I suppose for me as as myself I'm a real planner and I'm I like to set a goal each year and go for it Um, and if it hasn't worked out um, you know, reevaluate it and try again and come up with different strategies. Um, but certainly for me, uh, being an avid journaler, and it works for me, I felt that I wanted something really, really cool and fun um, for our young people. But the other element that was very important to me, I don't, and I, I discussed it briefly, that it has been created to appeal to both all our children, male and female, equally. Um, and I felt that was very important for me. 
Oh, listen, I, I really like it. I have to say to you, as I said, I've had it over the weekend. I've been oh, through sure. it and uh, it's a really useful tool and one that I'm sure that can help many, many people. MyMindReallyMatters.com yeah. is where all the information is. So, folks, you'll get all the data there. MyMindReallyMatters.com. Lisa, I have to leave it there today. Thank you so much for joining me and wish you well. Thank you so much. You too, and I'll chat to you soon. Thank you so Take much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Lisa Kennedy there, mymindreallymatters.com. I like it. I really do. I do like it, and I think she's onto something here. And if you write it down, I find that it really is cathartic. It really is uh, across many aspects of our lives. Anyway, that's a lot today on Late Lunch. Tomorrow, I'm sure we'll be having a word with Paul Moyner as the numbers in hospital increase, in ICU, and yet we are opening up. Um, it's a contradiction, is it? Or is it the way of the world? Paul, Paul will tell us tomorrow. Steph Green is here. She's a woman who wants to encourage all of us to introduce her children to the beauty of the outdoors. Fiona Buckley, how do you motivate yourself when you're working from home? And a lot of people have and will be even in the new model going forward. And Anya Duffy, a home for €12,000. Yes, she's done it. It's compact and bijou, but she's done it and we'll hear from her tomorrow on the show. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Have a lovely Monday evening. See you for Late Lunch Tuesday, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault traffic at Blackstone Motors and get a five-year warranty and low APR with same-day business finance. Call our van specialist Danny today. See blackstonemotors.ie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.